lived experience is also expertise and young people are living the experience of challenges but also being solutionists in their own lives. We don't just want to be engaged, we want to be seen as leaders who are making decisions, not just having young people in the room but actually making sure that young people can come into the room and they can make decisions, right? It's connecting to what do young people want and need to see from the SDG Summit and how can we make that happen in a way that is impactful. You're listening to The Lid Is On with me, Connor Lennon. This year is the midpoint between the launch of the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, and 2030, the deadline for achieving the goals, which encompass a wide range of issues from poverty and education to climate action and gender equality. Together, the SDGs make up the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, a blueprint for a fairer future for people and the planet. As far as achieving the goals goes, we're way off track. With the world currently recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic and reeling from the economic fallout of the war in Ukraine, progress remains slow. So can we pick up the pace in the seven years we have left in this decade and get closer to realising the goals? And can youth leaders make a difference? I met three exceptional young people in April during the UN Youth Forum to get their perspective. Risha Gupta is an educator and social entrepreneur from India. She's the CEO and co-founder of the Labia Foundation, a globally recognised Indian non-profit that provides over 2.4 million underserved children with the necessary skills to overcome poverty while also becoming effective learners. Nial Deng is a South Sudanese refugee, writer, youth advocate, community activist and organiser. He spent 11 years in the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya and now attends Huron University in Canada. He's working on the Kakuma Book Drive, a global student-led solidarity movement that aims to mobilise textbooks, laptops and funding for a library and community centre for young people in the Kakuma refugee camp. And Lana Weidganant is a Brazilian youth advocate who specialises in climate action, agriculture and youth empowerment. Lana was the youth vice chair of Shifting to Sustainable Consumption for the 2021 UN Food Systems Summit and currently works as a campaigns and policy manager for food awareness organisation ProVeg International. I began by asking Risha how she's managed to change the lives of so many Indian children. I'm basically an educator turned entrepreneur. I started teaching as a volunteer when I was 16 years old. Um, and at the time, I realized that me teaching and children learning are two very different things. I realized that the adversity that children who go to public schools, especially in India, go through um, stops children from being effective learners and therefore stops them from accessing the right kind of skills needed to overcome poverty and build those skills. Now, what's stopping them? So what is stopping them is the environments that our children come from, the grave adversity that they face on the day-to-day, -day, the poverty that they, that they face, and the lack of access to basic things like food and safe spaces to express themselves and build those skills like confidence and relationship building and resilience. And to combat that, I started my nonprofit um, to, to enable children with that kind of skill to be able to face these adversities. So if you're from a poor background, uh, with, with your help, are you able to overcome these difficulties and go on to have a successful career and build a successful livelihood? Yes, absolutely. So um, in our model, we mandate a daily class dedicated to children to build these skills particularly. So they build skills like relationship skills, resilience, learning motivation, critical thinking. And these key 21st century skills practicing every day enables children to um, motivate themselves to cope with the adversities that they face every day and therefore in the long run become productive citizens and global citizens who feel responsible for the world uh, in a productive way. 
And it's similar to the work that you're doing, Neil. Uh, education is at the forefront of what, what you're trying to achieve. Uh, let's talk a bit about the Kakuma refugee camp, uh, which you know well. What, what was it like? Uh, I came to Kakuma refugee camp when I was 11 years old. Um, uh, growing up, my father told me about him fleeing South Sudan at a very young age to move to Ethiopia, where I was born. Uh, so I had uh, a bit of uh, sort of intro to refugee life through my daddy's storytelling, but I never ex uh, and you know I never thought myself that I'd become a refugee at one point. Uh, so in 2010, one morning I woke up and village was attacked. The whole village was being burned down. People were fleeing every other direction, and I found myself in Kakuma refugee camp after. Uh, walking for two weeks from Ethiopia, and it was a very challenging experience. Uh, I arrived in the camp, I was devastated, I was lost, I was by myself, I wasn't with my parents. But the turning point for me was in university school, uh, because it, it school gave me a semi space where I was able to find hope, where I was able to find solace, and where I could think about a glowing future again. And as a kid, my dream was to become a journalist because my dad used to have a small radio that he would listen to. Uh, and uh, when I get to school in Kakuma, uh, you know, that was the first thing that I thought about, becoming a journalist. Uh, so I worked very hard, uh, you know, to learn good English, uh, you know, with the support of my teachers, I was able to thrive in my school. Uh, but also, I realized that through engaging other students, that many other young people in Kakuma, uh, so Kakuma is a big refugee camp with about 210,000 uh, refugees from 10 different countries, and majority of them are young people. I realized that most young people that I went to school were still traumatized by the brutal images of violence they witnessed while fleeing their country. And that is when I thought about creating a space where young people could come together to find solace, to, to find hope, to, you know, talk about the challenges they face in their community to get peer support. Uh, so that is how my community work started. We started when I was in my first year of high school. I was 16 years old. I set up the Refugee Peace Ambassadors, uh, which created a space for young people to you know, play through game and sport activities, you know, to have mentorship and leadership workshop. Um, yeah. And was it very difficult for you to, to, to get to Canada? I mean, you're trying to raise funds for, for textbooks, for, for resources for the schools there. So presumably there wasn't, when you were at school, there, there weren't many resources for you. Yeah, there weren't many resources. And I, like myself, uh, I remember one day I woke up to my teacher's heart, what would it take for me to learn good English because I wanted to be a good journalist. Uh, so my teacher told me I need to read a lot of books, and we didn't have any books at my school library. Uh, so the, the school and the camera bear under-resourced. They don't have access to books. They don't have access to computers. They don't have access to internet. They don't have access, uh, you know, to to qualified teachers. And that is why I thought about setting up a community center with uh, laptops and internet and, and, and books where young people come and study. And funny, Lana, uh, let's talk about sustainable consumption which I'm looking behind me now I can see <laughs> it is uh, what can you tell me SDG number nine I won't I won't <laughs> I did promise I didn't so sustainable consumption you were involved with the food systems summit as well the first uh, food system summit that was held at the UN um, we'll just give you an overview of what that means for you sustainable consumption well truthfully with the UN food system summit it dealt more of the SDGs on zero hunger and climate action so really looking at how we can achieve food security while staying within planetary boundaries, which internationally we had seen were conversations that had previously happened in separate rooms, right? How can we feed the world, but how, so, how can we keep the world going? And young people have really been leading the way in making sure that we have these conversations together, that we break the silos and ensure that when we are talking about the future, that we are taking all these elements into consideration and thinking in the systems perspective. So that has been an exciting experience to do with young people around the world which engaged in this summit and uh, making sure to organize that and bring that forward also. And what has your involvement been? 
So my involvement, for instance, in the summit was we had a global youth food systems pledge uh, where young, uh, young people around the world, we said, we are taking this action and we will continue to do that in our communities to make sure that we have sustainable food. So for instance, changing our diets, having local food gardens, making those actions, working with policymakers, but that will also ask for government and private sector to take that action alongside us. And so we had over 160,000 young people around the world uh, in the Food System Summit process pledged to do that work with us. And we've continued to bring that action um, in Act for Food, Act for Change. That's the name of uh, the group that came out of the pledge. and. Uh, continue that implementation afterwards. And give me some examples of the kind of actions that you would want other people to take. So um, in the consumption area, one of them is uh, shifting to more plant-rich diets. And so there are a number of youth campaigns that have talked about this, how as young people, that is something that is within our power, right? Often, um, if we have the choice, we can try to move towards more sustainable eating to showcase that value, not only in our conversations, but through our actions. And there's uh, a campaign now that has moved into, for instance, talking about how the climate conferences, the UN Climate Change Conference that happens each year, can showcase how food systems matters and how consumption impacts climate change by serving sustainable food there. And that can be a great way to bring those, place, uh, those topics together. And so there's actually a letter from over 150 youth and civil society organizations that just went live on Earth Day asking the climate conference this year to do just that. Now we're here at, at this youth forum to talk about sustainable development goals. Um, you know, you all have certain specialties, but have you become aware of, like you were talking about the food system summit, the linkages between the different areas and why one for education, for example, is linked to poverty, um, food is linked to climate change. Have you become aware of these kind of issues during your time here this week, Richard? Yes, absolutely, especially as a young leader for the SDGs, working with 16 other young leaders um, with the UN Youth Envoys Office that have worked in all of these different arenas. It's become very apparent to me that all the SDGs are extremely connected and we can't work on just one in isolation um, and, and forget about the others. And I think one of three of the most important that I think come together, especially for my work, is um, SDG 3 and 4, which is quality education and uh, health and well-being, and also 17, which is partnerships. And that's where young people also come in, where partnership not just with governments and civil society and, and corporates, but also partnership with young people can bring together the SDGs to work together and and hopefully we, we are able to reach some of the goals together as, as, as a planet. And Niall, for your project, you must clearly be having to partner with a wide variety of organizations. Yes, yes. I, I think one, uh, there's a lot of interconnectedness about uh, so many different issues that face the world, be it, you know, climate change, be it, you know, uh, the education crisis, be it poverty. Uh, but also, I think uh, these issues that face the world today are global and they need a global response, right? We have global challenges that need global solution. And I think that is where that aspect of partnership for the goals come in. Uh, you know, we cannot do it in silos. I think there's a need to work together uh, because uh, these issues do not just affect one community but affect, you know, everyone in the world in one way or the other. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, as we have seen from the conversation with young people this week, uh, there's a lot of interconnectedness about how uh, people, young people are leading, you know, uh, change toward these goals, uh, you know, be it, you know, looking at, you know, how uh, they can find solution to different goals at the same time. Uh, so, uh, and that is, you know, the same thing as well in Kakuma, you know, uh, 
the conflict that drive people from their home and force them to go into refugee camp and you know the fact that they don't have access again to education in the refugee camp so that show how all these issues are interconnected in one way or the other and yet we've only got seven years to go we're way off track on every single one of the goals uh, do you think an event like this can help to galvanize to, to help kickstart progress i think so because we've seen wonderful examples of how young people can be active locally and active in our own projects but we can also be part of rooms where policy decisions are being made and i think ikosaki forum is been shown to be a great place for young people to start getting more involved for instance with the un with policymakers with government and to start learning about how we can do these projects in our communities and we can do this work and then we can also take um, our voices into these conversations in the UN in the policy space as well. I mean, this is a complaint we hear a lot, that young people feel their voices are not being heard, not being taken seriously. How have you found it, uh, uh, speaking to decision makers, to policy makers, how have you managed to get your voices heard? Uh, have you managed to get your voices heard? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think uh, in my context, and I've... I've uh, had the experience to work with governments, especially in countries like India, which have also have some of the most complex public systems in the world, which has various levels of, of bureaucracy. Um, two learnings that I've had and also the wonderful experience of working with more young people during the COVID-19 pandemic, where we actually saw more and more young people come forward and not only do the work, but also mobilize catalytic resources towards uh, well-being, education, health, etc. The one thing is to show merit. I think as young people over here at the ECOSOC Forum, we've seen um, that there are so many young people doing exceptional work worldwide. How can we bring that together? That is one way to work with decision makers. And the second is, of course, to understand that our voice is equally important to be at the at the forum at all these decision-making forums and um, and international forums so that we can be more um, be well represented but also be a part of the design of the solutions and not just a consultant and how did you manage to convince yeah, yeah, people I, in the I, refugee I, yeah. camp to to listen to you yeah I think just just to add on what she said she talked about I think um, one thing that I believe is important uh you know when you talk about the sdgs is that to not just see young people as a group that need to be engaged on the sdgs but to see young people actually decision makers and solution makers on the sdgs uh because i think a lot of more th of a lot of uh, you know a lot of youth engagement spaces they look at how can we you know bring young people and hear their issues not just what are young people doing to actually lead change um, uh, and I think one thing I've been doing to kind of put my story out there and try to convince people is not just to come into the room as a refugee and try to share my experience, but to come into the room as someone who has experience, who can be a decision maker, who can be a policy maker, who can actually design effective solution for challenges facing my community. And I think that is what we've been hearing from young people all across the Ecosocius Forum, that we don't just want to be engaged, we want to be seen as leaders who are making decisions, not just having young people in the room, but actually making sure that young people can come into the room and they can make decisions, right? So are you hopeful that we can make progress between now and 2030? Does this, has this forum given you hope? I'm glad that the forum is connected to the SEG summit, right? So it's not a one-off um, bringing young people together. We're going to have these conversations and it's got going to go anywhere, right? Which can be a frustration with a lot of these different events constantly occurring. But instead, it's connecting to what do young people want and need to see from the SEG summit and how can we make that happen in a way that is impactful, right? So oh, during these days, we have seen young people raising priorities on different areas and also on the outcomes that need to happen. A lot of nodding going on here. Do you agree with that? <laughs>
Yes, um, uh, I think uh, something that is also um, uh, that I've seen, you know, all across the forum is that young people are hungry. You know, young people say that they will face the full impact of challenges facing our world today. So they don't want to wait when you look at, you know, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. It is young people who face the full impact of climate change. It is young people who are being affected by conflict. We saw how COVID-19 devastated young people. And, and we have seen how leaders are failing on this. You know, sometimes I don't even think it's... it's, it's uh, I don't even think, you know, we need to refer to world leaders as leaders. I think it is young people leading the way on climate change. It is young people leading the way on finding solution to poverty, finding solution to war and conflict. Uh, so um, uh, I think that is what gave me hope, that young people are saying we don't want to wait on the sideline anymore because we're going to inherit the world tomorrow with all the challenges and we want to start taking action now so that it is not too late tomorrow. Well, that's a good message for world leaders as we head towards the summit. Do, do either of you have a message for world leaders, Richard, for example? Um, my one message to our leaders, especially something that we also experienced during the forum this week, is that lived experience is also expertise. And young people are living the experience of experiencing challenges, but also being solutionists in their own lives. And that needs to be recognized officially for us to move forward towards the SDGs. And therefore, there is hope. And Lana, what's your message? My message is that we need action, and that doesn't mean just bringing young people into the room or saying that young people are inspirational, but it means acting on the commitments that have already been made even. There are so many commitments that are made each time there's a global forum, um, for instance, on climate, on food security, and we just need to make sure that the action is following through, and that's not in 2030 or in 2050, but it needs to be happening today, and we need to be taking those steps. Lana Weidgenant sharing her message for world leaders and the UN. We also heard from Risha Gupta and Nial Deng. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode of The Lid Is On, the UN's flagship news podcast, next week. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to The Lid Is On wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>